Aberdeen Standard Investments, proud sponsors of CityWire Podcasts. So hello and welcome. Uh, this is CityWire Selector. I'm the editor, Chris Slowly. This is our first attempt, our first real attempt uh, podcast because we thought what better way to get out there amongst the community than by talking to the people in the thick of fund selection. So any suggestions or potential interviewees or ideas, please let us know. There'll be more details at the end. But for now, this is our first venture onto the floor to meet fund selectors at our CityWire fixed income retreat in lovely rural Hampshire. So sit back, enjoy, and I'll see you in the middle. This is the first CityWire Selector podcast. I'm joined by Darren Ruin, Head of Fixed Interest in Vestec Wealth and Investment. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. Good to see you, Chris. Well, we're on the floor at the Fixed Income Retreat 2018. There's been a lot of lively discussion over the past couple of days, and I understand it's been a lively start to the year. And I thought, what better time to speak to somebody deep in the bond market to understand what's going on. Recently, we've seen at the end of January, there was the, the bear market, as it were, was supposed to have started. Bill Gross was tweeting a lot about that. I'm not sure where you stand on that or what your views are, but where, just bring us up to speed. Where are we now? Where are we now? So you're right, since the start of the year, the main thing that's happened is that we've had a sell-off in some government bond yields. In particular, I think people are looking at the US. The US started the year at around 240 or a bit more than 270 at the moment. I think that lots of people who are, I wouldn't say bears, I think that's the wrong word, but the, the expectations are generally that US 10-year government bond yields will move towards 3% at some point this year. Um, Do you know what sort of time? Is it, is it a longer term plan? Is that going to happen alongside the rate hikes or is that going to be more of a, a surprise move, I guess? How much is the market going to be prepared for I, such a shift? No, I, I, think, I think the market is prepared. I think most people have been cautious, to put it mildly, on government bond markets for some time. And what they've probably seen is that now we have good economic momentum. There's some inflation that looks like it's coming back into the system. And because of that, they're saying more government bond yields now in the US should go to 3%. I think the big surprise would be if we have an inflation shock in the US. Now, that's something the market's not anticipating. Government bond yields could go higher and maybe the US Fed is behind the curve. One thing we've been hearing about, and you can hear the people in the background filtering in, and they've all been talking about all morning, is, is what this actually means for fixed income fund selectors, what it means for people such as you who have to find this yield, who have to respond to this market. Are you doing anything differently? Are you having to respond in a certain way? It's a really tough one. I mean, the truth is we're not finding a huge amount of value in fixed income generally. So within the assets that we build, we'll, we will be underweight fixed income. The other thing that the other problem we're finding is that where we typically had government bonds to act as a form of portfolio insurance, sort of a risk-off trade, now we're find, we don't find there's so much value there because we think they won't act as insurance in this environment. So what we're doing specifically is that we're looking to currencies to help us with that risk-off. Our latest move in our, in our, in our um, assets was to move to a dollar fixed income, and that was based on if there's a risk-off period, maybe the dollar goes up. And given that cable's gone through 140 recently, we think that, that the dollar looks much better value here. When did you actually start making those moves? You know, when you say it's a, it's a very recent thing. I'm, I'm talking the last week or two that we've done that. So that was really purely a play on economic momentum, yields not looking so attractive, where can we get some risk-off type attributes within our portfolios. What's going to be the biggest challenge then? Is it going to be handling these rate rises? Is it going to be the, the spectrum of inflation? How are you going to find the year ahead, essentially? I realise that's a massive question to It ask. is. It is. I think the biggest challenge is over medium to long dated bond yields, because if medium to dated bond yields move up materially, I think there's lots of assets that are based off the pricing on, on medium and long dated bond yields. 
And so if that happens, it could be that not only do we see government bond prices fall, maybe that induces, um, induces risk off in equities, in corporate bonds, so credit spreads widen. Uh, so that's really the challenge. Um, that's not our expectation. So far, central banks seem to be moving slowly to the exit. We saw a lot of money going to emerging markets and emerging market debt over the past year or so. Where do you stand on that? Is there, is there more room to run? We've got geopolitical events coming up like Brazil, the Mexican election, but then also we've got challenges in the Eurozone. So, I mean, there's two questions in one, but emerging markets first, where do you stand on that? Emerging markets, yeah, we like emerging markets. I think the big thing is that fundamentals have become much better. Those economies that really suffered a few years ago, particularly because things like the commodity prices were falling, they've managed to recover. Um, and also things like exchange rates have become much more benign. So the dollar being weak has been great for local currencies. Those local currencies have gone up. I think many people expect the dollar to continue to be weak. And I think in that environment, you could expect to see continued demand for emerging market debt. How does this compare to previous periods where you've, because you've been doing this for a decade at Investec, how does it compare to previous cycles that we've been through? Is this more challenging than it's ever been? Or is this something you've encountered before? I think this cycle is more challenging than, than than we've ever seen before because in previous cycles when you get worried about asset prices you always had cash and somewhere where you could hide and cash typically would have paid you five or six or eight or whatever the rate was at the time in this environment with cash yielding zero many clients are saying well we it, you don't put money into cash because otherwise we'll take the money back and so cash for many is becoming less of an option and yet in this environment where, where we do eventually see some risk off it's likely that bonds and equities will fall in which case having cash will be a sensible move but say from a client perspective they're really not wanting us to hold much cash so that's the dilemma this time round. that's what we're hearing on our side as well is it people want the defenses but with cash not doing the function that it used to how can you make use of that? Do you have to have more short-term liquidity? For example, we've seen a lot of short-term or target maturity bond funds launched to fill that sort of liquidity gap. Is that something you've noticed as well? It is, it is. So we've, been, we've got cash money market funds. We've got other types of funds. We've got um, liquid ABS funds. We've got absolute return bond funds. We've got global bond funds that are very cautious. So that's, that's really, um, that, that we're using those strategies which we think will be very defensive in the risk-off market. I think the, the room is filling up quite a bit, so it might it be is. difficult to hear. So I think I'll just finish on this note then. So we, we talked about the challenges ahead, and we talked about the way that the role has changed. We touched upon sort of new ideas that are coming in as well. Is there anything you think could be particularly strong this year that you're surprised has been, could be particularly strong? I think one of the things that we've liked for the last few years, and it's worked really well, is financials. So banks have been through a really tough time over the past 10 years. But from a credit point of view, they, 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 their metrics have improved immeasurably. And so now some of those so subordinated, subordinated bank bonds have become much more attractive. And so we've been investing in some of these financial credit um, funds. And last year they were up double digit and we think they might have another good year this year. Fantastic, thank you very much, Darren. Thanks for joining us. I think we're getting crowded out. We are. Thank you. Good to see you. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for taking the time. So that was Darren Ruin, who would remain vocal throughout the day and even took on our elite panel with some very tough and probing questions. In the second half, I speak to Jeffrey Sachs, the chief strategist for EMEA at Citibank, who responds to the topics raised during that discussion. He looks ahead to see what's going to shape strategic thinking in the next 12 months. Sat on a very cold uh, Hampshire countryside with Jeffrey Sachs, the, strategy, the EMEA strategist for City Private Bank. Thank, Hello. Thank you for joining us and thank you for braving the outdoors. We can look out over the, 
the wonderful rolling hills, but I think they're, they're not blocking the wind much. It seems to be rolling in. But we're here at the, the Fixed Income Retreat and you, uh, you're just on a very lively panel where we had a lot of discussion about what is currently going on in the bond market. It's a very timely point for us to have this discussion because we saw at the last couple of weeks the onset of what appeared to be a bear market. And I know you made some points in that conversation about whether it is and to what extent. And that's what I was hoping to dig into really. So we've seen people like Bill Gross um, I used the term apocalyptically talking about it earlier, yeah. um, which I think is, is stretching the mark. Where, where do you stand on it? Well, we don't think we are on the brink of an apocalyptic scenario in fixed income. However, we do think that yields have bottomed and they first made their bottoms over a year ago. But we should just take note that even over the last year, fi fixed income globally had an average return of 3%. So we're likely to see in the year ahead another year of small positive returns. We think that three things are going to matter, particularly as we slowly enter the bear market. The first is that there's going to be more volatility. That's going to be prompted by central banks stepping, stepping back and doing less QE and in the case of the US, more rate rises. Secondly, we need to be much more selective than in the early stages of this bull market when everything moved up together in the year ahead we think that there's going to be quite a lot of dispersion and low correlation between different fixed income regions and between different fixed income asset classes the third thing that's going to matter in the year ahead is not to be too optimistic about the returns that that you you're looking to generate so we think that you can generate low single-digit returns uh, without taking on too much risk, but being more aggressive than that would be uh, overly optimistic and possibly moving into areas within fixed income where the risks are rising. That's, that's a pertinent point because one thing we've heard over the last, well, over the last year really is people are being forced into more liquid areas or areas they haven't previously gone into because they have got these liabilities, they need to find yields from somewhere, so they're going into different areas. But you're saying that that, that doesn't necessarily have to be the case? Well, we certainly think that illiquid areas, for example, private equity, are commanding an illiquidity premium and we're seeing some of our clients looking to move some capital into areas like that. We've got a strong equity story and we're seeing allocations there. But within fixed income, we do think that if you're selective, there are opportunities. Let me give you three. Firstly, we like emerging market bonds, both dollar and local. You're getting yields of between 6 and 7%. The credit metrics look solid and political risk is low. You've also got, at the same time, a, a very good technical backdrop in emerging market bonds where You've got more institutional buyers, both local and overseas, and you can see that new issuance has been very high, but all of these new issues have been heavily oversubscribed, they've been priced aggressively, and they've been strong aftermarkets. So that's indicative of a very good technical backdrop, as well as the, the yield and, and credit metrics arguments. The second area that we like is areas where you can take advantage of rising short rates. So we look at areas like floating rate notes and senior loans with floating coupons. And for those, you taking minimal risk and are likely to benefit as rates edge higher. 
The third area of opportunity within the broad fixed income asset class we think is in high yield. But even there, in that sub-asset class, you need to be selective and focus on US high yield. The attractions there are much greater than they are in Europe. The yield and spread differential on average is about 250 basis points between US high yield and European high yield. But in the US high yield market, you've got the advantages of falling defaults and leverage that's not overly aggressive. So we think despite the rally we've already seen in US high yield, there's further to go. Is there any area that you would be avoiding prominently at the moment? Because like there seems to be pockets of opportunity, but then with that, there's always the flip side. There's no go zones. Is, is there anywhere new that you would be avoiding or anywhere over the past year or so? We have been underweight developed market sovereign bonds for over a year and we're still very cautious. And that's despite the backup in yields that we've seen recently. And that's because even after the upturn in yields, the yields on offer are relatively low. So take the German tenure, for example, 66 basis points is, we think, not justifying the risks that we're taking at a time when the ECB is gradually going to accelerate their tapering. And we think the, the end of their, within their tapering program, the end of their German Bund buying program is coming to a rapid end because they're running out of bonds to buy. So there's an area where you've got an extreme valuation and your main buyer for the last two years is slowly going to buy less and then eventually start selling. We can make a similar uh, bear case for sterling with, in addition, political risk and high inflation. Not a good backdrop for gilts. And for US Treasuries, there we think that uh, the yield is unlikely to breach 3% on the upside. You've got deflationary pressures like population growth, population aging and technology and overcapacity in some areas. Against that, we wouldn't be buyers of Treasuries today either because the US growth numbers are surprising on the upside. They have been given further impetus by the recent tax cuts and, and their fiscal expansion. And that growth, we think, over the next few months will feed through into the inflation data in the US. And it will move closer to 2%. And we think that will put a floor under US Treasury yields. So we wouldn't be a buyer there either. So really, the only opportunity within sovereign bonds is in emerging countries where the dynamics are different, the outlooks are different. Are there any specific ones that stand out for you? Well, we, we like the uh, larger emerging market countries where we're talking about the BRICS countries, Brazil, Russia, India, China, plus Indonesia, Mexico. Political risk in those countries is lower than it's been for quite some time. The, the yields are attractive relative to what we're getting in, in developed. And uh, we've got, as I, as I was saying, we've got firm local institutional support as well as foreign buying. So those, those are the six countries that we'd really be focusing on. And within that, you can get different risk rewards depending where you go. So LATAM gives you better return for slightly higher risk. Asia, slightly more defensive with lower yield. 
realise the sun is dropping behind the trees and the weather is dropping with it and for the sake of ambience I'm not just going to keep you out in the cold. Just one final question just looking uh, at the year ahead. Um, we've seen a lot of focus on what's going to happen under the new uh, Fed regime. I mean uh, Jay Powell is due to come in in February. We're speaking at the start of February. Is that something you're going to be watching closely? Yes it is and the good news is that, is that we don't think that policy will change very much. We do think that Janet Yellen's policies of gradually normalising the rate structure will remain in place. So we're expecting two to three more rate rises this year in the US after five last year. The key point is that the eventual peak for rates is going to be lower than it's been historically and will probably reach that peak in the early part of next year. The second aspect to Fed policy in relation to tapering, Janet Yellen was transparent in terms of the programme for gradually ratcheting up the tapering and we believe that that, prog that uh, pace of, of tapering will continue and hopefully the transparency from, from the new head will, will be there as well. So hope for more of the same but an expectation that you might have to act if things suddenly shift I guess. That's right. Jeffrey, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Okay and there we have it. So as I left Jeffrey to finish his coffee in the considerably warmer confines of the Four Seasons, he certainly left us with a lot to ponder. Thank you for listening. If you have any comments or suggestions, please send them through to me at cslowly at citywire.co.uk. That's C-S-L-O-L-E-Y at citywire.co.uk. Make sure to check back to wherever it is you get your podcasts for more from us at Citywire Selector in the near future. Aberdeen Standard Investments. Proud sponsors of CityWire Podcasts.